0: Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the DDP. August the 21st is the day. I'm Paul White. It's a Monday, new work week. Hope you have a great week lined out ahead of you, praying the favor of God in your life, praying peace, praying joy, praying that you understand the righteousness that is yours in Christ. These are ingredients of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't think they're the only ingredients of the kingdom, but they're certainly, well maybe the most important? I don't know. I don't don't know what the most important are, but they were big enough for Paul to list them off. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I pray they are yours as you walk this out today. Mark chapter 14. We are with Jesus facing the Sanhedrin. We walked you through the three Jewish trials yesterday and the three Gentile trials of Jesus. I think the gospel's way of showing you the culpability of everyone in the death of Christ. We did not read from verse 55, so let's do so. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree, or literally they were not consistent. Now this is thrown in, Not only to show you that the false witnesses are false because their witnesses don't agree. They're saying things opposite one another. But also because the Torah demands that trials consist of charges brought by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so it was not enough for one person to accuse. But they needed at least two and three were preferable. So they're bringing multiple witnesses. They can't get their story straight. 57, then some rose up and bore false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. Now, verse 58 is interesting. I'll destroy this temple made with hands. Within three days, I'll build another made without hands. We don't hear Jesus say that in the Gospel of Mark. Then when Matthew and Luke write their gospels and expand on the stories of Mark, they leave this out. They don't bring this up. Then when John, writing, I don't perhaps a full generation later, writes his story of Christ, which I think is a It's non-synoptic, it's not similar, but it's also completely different in scope. It's written so that you'll believe on Jesus, and it shows Jesus, I think, through the victorious, resurrected lens. John does include this, but he doesn't put it here. John puts it in the second chapter of his narrative, where he has Jesus cleansing the temple in John 2, and in that, Jesus says, destroy the temple, and in three days I'll build another. Then John comments that what Jesus meant was that he it was the temple of his body, which is how we then, as Christians, through a Pauline lens, take Jesus' temple-building prophecy to be fulfilled in his church, because He rebuilds a temple called his body, then Paul calls the church his body. And so the temple he builds, he builds in three days. You and I then are just being made part of the building that is his building. The church, in effect, the body of Christ, is really an extension of the kingdom of God whose inauguration has already begun. Mark puts this in here as if it's something perhaps they are falsely accusing him of. John claims Jesus actually said it, but John gives an explanation. Here's what I wonder as a Bible student. Is Mark putting this in because people said it and didn't understand it and thought that since Jesus said, tear down the temple in three days, I'll raise it, then he was a false prophet? Because they thought, well, that's stupid. You can't raise the temple in three days. Plus, you wouldn't want to tear it down. It's the house of God. To tear it down is blasphemy. And maybe they're accusing Jesus of something he actually said, but there's no commentary on it. What if a generation later, John takes the same statement and then says, on the other side of the resurrection, here's what Jesus actually meant. And that seems interesting to me that John would take this moment in which a false accusation is made of Jesus John will actually put the false accusation into the mouth of Jesus in a different setting and then redeem it I hope I'm making sense with that I just I find it interesting that Mark and John have only have this unique moment where they agree And yet, Mark has it coming out of the mouth of a false witness, and John has it coming out of the mouth of Jesus. And it would seem to me a bit of a revision by John to take what had been said of Jesus and make something positive of it. That John's kind of saying, yes, he indeed did say this, and here's why he said it. Verse 60, and the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, do you answer nothing? What is it? These men testify against you, but he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? I will just say this today, and we'll save Jesus' response for tomorrow. Sometimes the best thing you can do is remain silent. There have been times when I was asked a question, point blank, that I wish I would remained silent. That if I had remained silent, I might have got myself in less trouble. Now, I don't think Jesus is staying silent so he gets in less trouble. I actually think Jesus is staying silent because he speaks the words of life and it's time to go into death. And maybe he needs to be quiet lest he bring life into the room. But it's still pretty good advice. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not answer. I get asked a lot of questions. I've been cornered by people who literally cornered me on purpose with questions that my answer got me into trouble. And, and, and by trouble, I just mean it, it put me into situations where I had to try to defend things I either wasn't ready to defend or, or I didn't have the fire to defend. Um, it's why I'm very careful answering questions. Even when people send me questions through the DDP email, I'm, I'm, I answer them. I'm careful. And sometimes I'll even say... What I'm about to say to you, I wouldn't say out loud to the general public because there's two or three things in it I'm not sure I want to land on. And so you have to be careful with in those moments. Jesus, and once again, if we take our cue from Jesus, sometimes we'll, we'll say not a word. Jesus, however, does eventually answer. We'll get into his answer tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.